Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods, and I um, want to wish all the mothers happy Mother's Day. I guess that the guys are going to be living through it, too. I hope you're happy also. I normally would be bringing a Mother's Day message right now, but I will be preaching a Mother's Day message at First Baptist Church in Holbrook on Sunday morning, and I would invite you to come. That's on the corner of 3rd and, and um, Buffalo. And I would invite you to come. Sunday school starts at 9.45, and my wife, Marty, is teaching the adult class. And then I'm preaching in the morning worship service at 11. There will not be a evening service this week. Normally, it would be at 6 o'clock. But I would invite you to come. Good fellowship, good people. And, and today, though, I want to talk about Alive in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 10, out of the New international version says as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when followed you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and allowing its desires and thoughts like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in, God, in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. After dying in a car crash, three friends went to heaven for orientation. They're all asked the same question. When you were in your casket and friends and family were mourning over you, what would you like to have heard them say about you? Well, the first guy immediately responds, I would have liked to hear them say that I was one of the great doctors of my time, a great family man. The second guy says, I would have liked to hear them say that I was a wonderful husband and a school teacher who made a huge difference in our children of tomorrow. The last guy thinks a minute and then replies, I'd like to have heard them say, look, he's moving. <laughs> Most people fight tooth and nail to stay alive as long as they can. Why? Well, there's a variety of reasons. People love this world, and if they've experienced anything good in life, they want to cling to the good. They don't want to give it up. Also, People are afraid of dying because they don't know what will happen or, or how it will happen. And most people aren't sure there's another life beyond this one. And they may fear hell. Fear is that, is that uh, case. In that case, fear is a good motivator. The sad truth is many people are already dead and don't know it. That is, they're dead spiritually. Dead to God in Christ, they're spiritually oblivious to God. How could this be? Well, sin has made them dead. 
Very few college football coaches have made a point against drugs as effectively as Irk Russell of Georgia Southern College. He arranged for a couple of good old country boys to burst into a routine team meeting and throw a writhing, hissing, six-foot-long rattlesnake onto a table in front of the squad. Well, everyone screamed and scattered, Russell recalls. I told them, when cocaine or fentanyl comes into a room, you're not nearly as apt to leave as when the rattlesnake comes in, but they will both kill you. Sin in its various forms has a dreadful effect on our world. It has killed people. It has made them dead to real life. It has deadened them to God, Christ, and all the spiritual things. Gary Richmond, a former zookeeper, said, Raccoons go through a glandular change in about 24 months. After that, they often attack their owners. Since a 30-pound raccoon can be equal to a 100-pound dog in a scrap, I felt compelled to mention the change coming to a pet, pet raccoon that was owned by a young friend of mine named Julie. She listened politely as I explained the coming danger. I'll never forget her answer. Well, it'll be different for me, she smiled as she had. Bandon wouldn't hurt me. He just wouldn't. Three months later, Julie underwent plastic surgery for facial lacerations sustained when her adult raccoon attacked her for no apparent reason. Sin also comes dressed as an adorable guise, and as we play with it, how easy it is to say, well, it'll be different for me. The results are predictable. Sin may appear harmless and be pleasurable, but eventually it will turn in on you and mar you often for life. In fact, sin kills the life out of people. Sin takes over, controls, and makes people essentially into the walking dead. But there is an escape, and that escape is through Jesus Christ. He alone gives victory over sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 through 25, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul gives the path of how to become alive in Christ. He said, first, we're dead in sin. That, that is, before we're saved. Then we're rich in mercy because God has mercy and God bestows that upon us. And then we're alive in Christ. That's us after we accept Christ as our Savior. So let's look at these three things Paul said. Dead in sin, that's us before we're saved. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, but spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the great cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Dead doesn't sound good. This text speaks of the walking dead that may sound kind of like a horror movie to some people, being dead and yet still alive. 
the uh, but that's where we are if we are not alive unto Christ. Um, the man huddled in a cabin floor that he was slowly freezing to death. It was high in the Rockies in southwestern Alberta, and outside a blizzard was raging. John Elliott had logged miles that day through the deep snows of the mountain passes as he checked for avalanches. <clears throat> Dust and exhaustion overcame him. He decided to hole up. He made it to his cabin but was dazed with fatigue. He didn't light a fire or remove his wet clothing. He just fell on the floor, and as the blizzard blasted through the cracks in the old cabin walls, the sleeping forest ranger sank into oblivion, uh, paralyzed by the pleasure of the storm's icy caress. Suddenly, his dog sprang into action with unrelenting whines, finally managed to rouse the near-comatose friend. The dog was John's constant companion, a, a St. Bernard, one of the long line of dogs famous for their heroics in time of crisis. If that dog hadn't been with me, I'd be dead today, John Elliott says. When you're freezing to death, you actually feel warm all over and don't wake up because it feels too good. This story illustrates the spiritual condition of too many people. They're cold spiritually and sadly are oblivious to their true conditions. Many people are dead and don't know it. You know, before slaves were emancipated, a Christian slave in America was overheard by his master. He was groaning, weeping, and praying to the Lord for deliverance from the devil. Well, the master said, you seem to have a lot of trouble with the devil. He never bothers me at all. And yet you're a good praying Christian and I'm not a Christian. Why doesn't he bother me? Well, the slave replied, I'll explain. When you're out shooting ducks, which do you send your dog after first? The ones that fall dead or the ones that are wounded and are trying to get away? Well, the man replied, well, of course, I send the dog after the wounded ones. We're sure of the dead ones and we can pick them up later. Well, the old slave said, and so it is with Satan. He already has those who aren't saved, but those that know the Lord are the ones he sends his dogs after. He knows he can pick up the others later. Listen, those who haven't given their lives to Jesus Christ in faith and surrender to his will are essentially dead. The devil already has them. It doesn't take much to lead them down the path of sin because they're already living it. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 3, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. At one time, we were all dead in our sins, maybe not as dead as some, but still dead. We followed the sinful ways of the world and followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who, whether we knew it or not, is Satan. Everyone starts this life dead in sin. But God is rich in mercy. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 
And verses 8 through 10 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Then moving down to verses 8 through 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God is both merciful and gracious. He is rich in mercy. Mercy means we don't get what we deserve, which is punishment for sin and rebellion. God is merciful. Grace means we get what we don't deserve, which is salvation. At a comparative religious conference, some scholarly guys were in a lively debate about what is unique about Christianity. Someone suggested that Christianity is set apart from other religions because of the concept of incarnation, the idea that God took human form in Jesus. Someone else said, well, actually, other faiths believe that God appears in human form. Another guy said, well, what about the resurrection, the belief that death isn't the final word, that the tomb was empty? Well, someone else chimed in, well, other religions have accounts of people supposedly returning from the dead. C.S. Lewis, the great author, walked into the room, tweed jacket, arms full of papers, a little early for his presentation. He sat down and listened to the debate, which was becoming quite fierce. Finally, he spoke up. What's this all about? They all said, we're debating what's unique about Christianity. Oh, well, that's easy, Lewis said. It's grace. Christianity uniquely claims God's love comes free of charge. No strings attached. No other religion makes that claim. Lewis had a point. Buddhists follow an eightfold path to enlightenment. It's not a free ride. Hindus believe in karma. Your actions continually affect the way the world will treat you, that nothing comes to you that is not set in motion by your actions. Another said the Jewish code of the law implies that God has requirements for people to be acceptable to him, and in Islam, God is a God of judgment, not a God of love. At the end of the discussion, everyone concluded that C.S. Lewis had a point. Only Christianity proclaims God's love is unconditional, an unconditional love called grace. Christians proclaim that grace has little to do with us, our inner resolve or our lack of inner resolve. Rather, grace is about God freely, freely giving us the gifts of forgiveness, mercy, and love. God's mercy goes along with his grace because of God's grace he is also rich in mercy, and this is the path that leads to life, which is truly life. So we can be alive in Christ. That, that's us after we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved, and God raised us up with 
Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I'm alive. I'm alive. Well, we can all shout these words when we know Jesus Christ. They're, they're true, and they're true because of Jesus. He's the one who gives life more abundant and free because of his great love. How great is God's love for us? Well, I heard about Ted and Beverly Skiles who started the orphanage called the Home of God's Love in Taiwan, China nearly 50 years ago. The Home of God's Love is a non-profit Christian orphanage located in Taiwan. It was founded in 1975 by Ted and, and Beverly Skiles, two dedicated Christians that felt God was calling them to take care of children. Their main ministry is to provide a loving Christian home for children that can't live with their family for some reason. In addition to caring for these children, they've baptized baptized hundreds of children and adults into Christ. Ted and Beverly are Christian people who have dedicated themselves to demonstrating love on a foreign soil. Why would they do that? William Whiting Borden, uh, born November 1st, 1887, died April 9th, 1913. He was a Christian missionary to Egypt with Samuel Zwemner. William was the heir of the Borden family fortune. William Borden graduated from Yale University in 1909 and then Princeton Theological Seminary. Borden was converted to Christianity under the ministry of Dwight L. Moody. He decided to become a missionary to the Muslims of China, but he died of spinal meningitis at age 25 in Egypt during his training there. After his death, Borden's Bible was given to his parents. In it, they found the words, No Reserve, dated shortly after he renounced his fortune in favor of being a missionary. Later, he had written, No Retreat, dated shortly after his father told him that he had never let him work in the company again. And just before he died in Egypt, he added, No Regrets. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets in following Jesus and going to Egypt to do the mission work. Why did William Borden do that? Why would he give his life on a foreign soil for others? Well, here's another story with the same question, only more so. Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8 your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being of in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus left his home in heaven, and came to earth for only one purpose. It says to seek and to save the lost. Well, why did he do that? Well, because John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We are made alive because of Christ's great love. 
John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan wants to kill and destroy you, but Jesus came to give you life and the ultimate promise of life after death, eternity in heaven. W.B. Henson, a great preacher of the past, spoke from his own experience just before he died. He said, I remember a year ago my doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover. I walked out to where I live, five miles from Portland, Oregon, and I looked across at that mountain that I love. I looked at the Columbia River in which I rejoiced. I looked at the stately trees that are always God's own poetry to my soul. Then that evening I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps and I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountain I shall be alive when you're gone, and river I shall be alive when you cease running toward the sea, and stars I shall be alive when you have fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. We're alive now. We can live forever. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? My thought would be, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, confess your sins to him, repent of your sins, ask him to come into your life and make you the kind of person that he wants you to be, and then be happy because God will adopt you into his family. Dear Father, I pray that you'll be with each one that's listened to this today that each one of us will realize the importance of letting Jesus Christ have full control of our lives. You've come to give us life and victory. Satan wants to give us death and misery. Father, I pray that people can make the wise decision and accept Jesus now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. If you want to get in touch with me, you know that I... Uh, Box number is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. My text is, uh, my phone number is 623-845-2741. And you could uh, probably use that if you want to send me a text message too. Also, my email address is lowercase rev wmwwoods at gmail.com. God bless you. Hope to see you. Go to church someplace this week. And if you're in Holbrook, come to the Baptist Church. I'd love to see you there. And God bless you. I'll be praying for you in all your needs.